Amen. I congratulate you on being here on time this morning when the time changed and when it's raining outside, either of those could have been a fine excuse, but you didn't make it. Blessed are you. Blessed are you today. I invite you to stand for our reading of the gospel from John chapter 4, beginning with verse 5. Hear the word of the Lord. So Jesus came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket. And the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us the well and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you've said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated and let us pray. 
Lord, use your servant's lips and your people's ears and hearts that they may be wed, that the seed of your word might be planted and brought forth with a resurrection joy. Amen and amen. The Samaritan woman asks a lot of questions. Where are you going to get this living water? The well is deep. Are you greater than our ancestor David who dug this well? And then she makes a statement that for all practical purposes is a question. Where's the proper place of worship? You Jews say it's in Jerusalem, but we believe it is here at Mount Gerizim. Where is the right place to worship? And for all of the questions that the woman asks, and for all of the questions that this brings before us, there are right questions that we can bring to the text. There are questions that the text itself seeks to answer, and the first of these is what's behind this imagery that Jesus uses. Here in the Gospel of John, we find Jesus using imagery that is misunderstood time and time again. In the previous chapter, last week, we talked about Nicodemus. Jesus answered Nicodemus, who came at night. That's where Nick at night maybe came from. I don't think so, but he comes at night. The woman comes in the daytime. It's highly probable there's this contrast here between the one who doesn't want to be seen with Jesus and and perhaps one who doesn't particularly mind even though she is surprised. Jesus answered Nick at night, very truly I tell you no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above, without being born anew. And Nicodemus said to him, how can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? And you can just see Jesus saying, you've missed the image. It isn't about crawling back into a womb and climbing out again. It is about a spiritual renewal about God entering into history and interacting with you in such a way that who you are is no longer just who your mom and dad made you, but it's who your mom and dad made you and who God has filled you and is allowing you to become. Later on, the disciples who have gone to get food have come back. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, No, stop being like that. Get the image. My food, that which nourishes me, that which carries me from hour to hour and day to day, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. And so in line with all these people who who want to take these images and not recognize them as images, we find the woman at the well when Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And the woman says to him, where's your bucket? 
If you are here to give living water, the well is deep, you have no bucket. Where do you get that living water? In Scripture, this notion of living water refers to God himself. It references the salvation that God offers to his people. It talks about the wisdom that God gives to his people to live good and holy lives. See, for example, Jeremiah 2.13. My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, God says, the fountain of living water, and they have dug out for themselves cisterns, cracked cisterns that can hold no water. The living water is God himself. When Jesus offers living water, he is offering the gift of God himself and saying that those who are in the Spirit recognize that that gift comes through him. Later on in Jeremiah, O hope of Israel, O Lord, all who forsake you shall be put to shame. Those who turn away from you shall be recorded in the underworld for they have forsaken the fountain of living water, the Lord. Jesus says, I've come to bring living water, and if you knew the person who was talking to you, you would recognize that I present to you God himself. And that when you see me, you see God. Another question that the text invites us to ask is, what about the husbands? What's this paragraph here to teach us and to tell us when Jesus says to the woman, go and call your husband and come back? And the woman answers him, I have no husband. And Jesus says to her, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. James Montgomery Boyce says, God's omniscience, which has been attributed to his omnipresence, he knows all because he is everywhere, is now attributed to his omnipotence. God can search man out, not only because he sees him, but because he made him. And here at the well, Jesus is talking to this woman and has more knowledge than he could have unless he is someone who is more than simply a man. Jesus knows things that he has no way of knowing except that he knows more than an ordinary man can know. He knows what can't be known without a supernatural knowledge. He knows what has gone on in the woman's life in the past, and he recognizes her present circumstances. And he states this woman's history, matter-of-factly, without shaming her and without excusing her. There are two different ways that we can go off of the path that God has prepared for us. And one of those ways, as we walk this path of faith, is that we, we turn toward a kind of legalism and finger-pointing. 
you've done wrong. You're kicked out. You're going to hell. The other way we can turn is to go in a different direction and, and we can say that nothing matters. I'm okay, you're okay, everybody's okay. But Jesus neither shames the woman, as he could have, nor does he excuse her and tell her that the condition that she's in is God's best for her. He simply matter-of-factly states what is going on in her life. The Lord who knew the woman at the well knows you and me. He knows our past, those ways that we have fallen short of the glory of God. He knows our past, those moments when we had hoped to be at our best but had not been. He knows our present, that we struggle. It takes me about four days to fail Lent every year. If I grade myself on, on how I do my Lenten uh, disciplines, I'm, I'm, I start off at an A-plus on Ash Wednesday. Then the Thursday after Ash Wednesday, I'm doing great. By Sunday, I've got a C-minus at least. God knows. God knows. One of the things that is extraordinary about the biblical image of the knowledge of God comes to us from Psalm 139. These beautiful verses here. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know, when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O oh Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. And so the question what about the husbands in this passage? Is answered, this is, this is written to us to show us the knowledge of God. The omnipotence of Jesus. The way that he sees within us and he sees with a grace that neither condemns nor excuses. But matter-of-factly reminds us who we are in his presence. Another question that comes up in this passage is what is worship? The woman points out our ancestors worshiped on this mountain here in Samaria. But you say, you Jews say the place of worship is in Jerusalem. And Jesus responds, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know, but we worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit. 
and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. We were made for worship. We are hardwired for worship. Even people who don't believe in God will at times of joy and ecstasy say, Oh Lord, oh God. Even those who don't necessarily proclaim faith from day to day will stand in the presence of the Grand Canyon or looking at the Rocky Mountains and will have a sense to thank someone for the experience of beauty and power. It's because we were made to worship. The woman asked Jesus, where do we worship? Do we worship here or do we worship there? At the temple in Jerusalem. Because the Samaritans say, no, we worship up to the north. The Jews say, no, this is the place where all sacrifices must be offered. So the question she asks is where, but the question Jesus answers is how. The Jewish philosopher Philo talks about worship. He says this, talking about those who wish to do so many good things that they might, in fact, inherit eternal life. No, for this man, like the others, has gone astray from the road that accords with true piety. Deeming it to be ritual instead of holiness and offering gifts to him who cannot be bribed and will not accept such things and flattering him who cannot be flattered who welcomes genuine worship of every kind but abhors all counterfeit approaches. Genuine worship is that of a soul bringing simple reality as its only sacrifice. The worshiper, according to the Gospel of John, sees the Father through the Spirit of truth in Jesus who is the truth. Note these verses that show how John envisions this playing out. Philip says, show us the Father. And Jesus says, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? To see Jesus is to see the Father. The Spirit points to Jesus. John's Gospel reminds us, when the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who comes from the Father, he will testify on my behalf. The worshiper sees the Father through the Spirit of truth in Jesus, who John says is the way, the truth, the life, the one through whom humanity may be reconciled with God. The final question 
is who is Jesus? The woman at the well says, I know the Messiah is coming, who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. And Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. I love the verb there, I am. John has a lot of I am speech about Jesus. But Jesus is making a claim to the woman at the well that goes all the way back to the initial self-disclosure of God to Moses. Moses says to God, if I come to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. The one who meets the woman at the well, he is the Messiah. He is the one through whom the saving action of God is known. He is the one who knows all things about her life and about yours and about mine. He's the one whose words are truth. And he is the one who says to us, I am. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the First, the Last. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I hold the keys of hell and death. And because I live, you shall live also. He is the one we are waiting for, the one in whom all of our expectations are fulfilled. He is the one that can give new life to our old, tired selves. He is the one who can bring us joy in the midst of sadness. He is the one who can bring us life in the midst of death. He is the one who can offer us food, not just for today, but for eternity. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of creation. He is God's only begotten Son, he is God incarnate. Will you receive and will you share that truth today? On the night in which he offered himself up for us, Jesus took bread. He gave thanks to the Father. He broke the bread and he gave it.